Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast. Andre Gallagher, another loss for the Knicks as they go down in Toronto. I, once again, was not very confident confident that the Knicks were going to pull this game out for all the reasons expressed in the last Toronto game. But OG didn't play. And I thought even though OG, OG wasn't really killing the Knicks, Offensively, he's still a very good player. Very, very good players on on both sides of the floor, defensively especially. So you thought maybe the Knicks had a chance. They won in Toronto a few weeks ago. They had a shot, but no, because Toronto plays the Knicks knowing that they can get whatever shot that they want, and if they miss it, it's fine. They crash the boards. They get another shot at it. They know defensively they can just throw the Knicks in a zone. Double-team Randall, double-team Brunson, and Nick's not going to get any shots out of it. This game was so disappointing, not simply because they lost, but because of why. Why they lost. And when you see the fire Tibbs trending and all the complaining about Tibbs, and I've talked about it a million times all year, I'm starting to move. My meter is starting to move towards the fire tips. It's starting to move there. It's starting to move there. Because I, I, for one, I'm sick and tired of seeing teams figure out how to beat the Knicks doing the simplest things. Double teaming, that's it. That's all they got to do. Just double team because nobody on that bench has told Randall how to handle the double team. Nobody. Nobody says to Randall. And here's the thing, and and this reminds me of last year a little bit too. When I tried to make the point on NBA radio, I said that Randall's the difference between Randall being good and bad is not all in his ability. It's in his decision making, which is really a mouthful, and you can say that about a lot of players. But I thought there were subtle things that he could do differently last year to up his effectiveness. Subtle things, not drastic changes to his game. Listen, there are things that you can say about Randall's game to make his game infinitely better than it is right now, 100%. But there are things that you can say in, like, before a game. Hey, just do this, and it'll be better for you. Like, I'm not saying you, could, you need to change his whole approach to the universe. I'm saying, Randall, when the double team comes... Dribble away from the double team and make the first open pass. Okay? When someone flashes to the middle of the court, make that pass. The closest pass, make it. Stop trying to find the shot out of that pass. The, the, the double team is designed to keep you from making a one pass to a shot pass. That's what they're designed to do. Make the first open pass and trust your teammate. But no, consistently, Randall, hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball. And now it's a desperation pass that has nothing on it, and we don't get anything out of it. And it's every single game. Every single game. And I just don't get it. I don't get how nobody's there to say, do this. And I know Tibbs knows that he needs to do it because he talked about it in the, in the post-game press conference a few games back. So... He knows he needs to do it, but he's not doing it. You don't attack a double team by holding on to the ball like that. You see some of the best players in the league get double teamed 
all the time. And none of them have the problems getting rid of the ball that Randall does. And, and it doesn't seem like a glaring issue to anybody on the bench. Nobody in the whole organization. Randall's in bed with the whole organization. Leon Rose on, on down. Nobody in the whole organization can say to Randall, listen, you can't deal with a double team like that. You can't have two six nine guys double teaming you, great defensive players, long arms, and allow them to just, to, to just harass you like that. Get rid of the ball. Give yourself some space to make a pass and make the pass. The fact that this is continuing to be a problem game to game, and it's such a glaring, a glaring error, it's just troubling to me. It's troubling to me. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why it's a thing. And we talked about the Knicks and, and their ball movement passing issues. You go back to the preseason, and we talked about this and back then in the preseason. The Knicks passing and ball movement and body movement in the, in the preseason was promising. It was all but gone within a few weeks. It's all but gone. All but gone. The Knicks have multiple guys who can create offense for themselves and others, and they don't use them. And this is what motivates the Cam Reddish fan base that is just so consumed with him not playing. Because there is a skill set that Cam Reddish has that you haven't seen utilized when he was on the floor. It's true. And I'm not sitting here advocating for Cam Reddish because there are ills that come with Cam Reddish as well. But it's true. It wasn't used. And you're seeing that with Quentin Grimes too. When he gets the opportunity he is very good at getting into the paint, getting to the front of the rim, and creating offense for the big man, something that nobody else really does. Because when Jalen gets into the paint, he's in firing range for him. And Julius Randle just does not have the skill to make those passes and or the willingness, to be frank. Because Julius Randle will pass up passing the ball sometimes. Like nobody can see him. You know how you got a little toddler sometimes that plays hide-and-seek? And they might go hide behind a chair like you can't see him. That's the way Randall is on the court. Like like nobody sees that he's just passing up that open shot for, for his teammate. He just wants to put the shot up. And it, listen, I talked about it last episode. I'm probably 50% okay with keeping Tibbs if he has an offensive coordinator. I do believe the Knicks would be better served if they had some simple, simple actions, read and react actions on this offense. And that the players were trained to read and react and not just trained to make arbitrary movements and, and, and arbitrary passes. I mean, just simple things like catching the ball in a high post and back cutting every time. Do they do that? Yes, but they don't do it like they mean it. Simple things like off-the-ball screens and slipping screens. Slipping screens. They don't do it. If you don't trust Hardenstein to slip a screen and catch a pass and make the next pass because because the weak side corner came down to help, if you don't trust them to do that, they get them off the court. Get them off the court. If you don't trust... Hartenstein to do it, then get him off the court. Sims, get him off the court. These are simple plays. Or do it with Randall. Do pick and roll with Randall. Why don't they do it? You know why? Because the center doesn't shoot. So because the center doesn't shoot, 
they do pick and roll with Randall. And Randall tries to roll. He's rolling into the center's man. It's okay. Make the pass. <laughs> Make the pass. Pass it or finish. Or force it up at the front of the rim, which you're good at, Julius Randall. Everything that they do is for isolations. And teams will catch up the more they see it. When they have decent defenders, the more they see it, they will catch up. And if they can't stop, they can't stop you, which often happens. They just double team and you get nothing out of it. Because the Knicks seem to be under this impression that as soon as you get double teamed, you're one pass away from a three-point shot. You're not. You're not. You're putting the defense in scramble mode. As soon as you make that first right pass, they're in scramble mode, and it's up to you and your skill set to find the best shot on that defense being in scramble mode. You should know all about that because it happens to you all the time. So why wouldn't you try to do that to other teams? And this is what, this is what, I shouldn't say it bothers me, but it, it does frustrate me. I can't answer everybody the same way. When people say the Knicks need three-point shooting, okay, let's just discuss this for a minute. The players who are on the court, the majority of the game, are the guys that need to shoot threes, okay? Randall, RJ, Jalen, Quentin Grimes, IQ, etc. Putting aside having the benefit of a three-point shooting center, which we were sold that Hartenstein was, but he's never behind a three-point line. Again, Thibodeau. Putting aside the shooting center. If the guys who are playing the majority of the minutes aren't shooting threes well, or shooting them at all, then having somebody who's playing 15 minutes a game is not going to change your fortunes because he's not going to be in the game when it's close down the stretch. He might be good in those 15 minutes. He might not be good in those 15 minutes. If that's all he does is shoot threes. The Knicks players who are actually getting the minutes have to be the ones to hit these threes. And the Knicks aren't terrible three-point shooters. They're okay right now. You look at their season-long numbers. Look at RJ's season-long numbers. They don't look great. But they're okay three-point shooters at the primary positions that are playing in minutes. IQ's season-long numbers don't look great, but his recent 15-20 game stretch, they look good. But the problem is the Knicks don't create those open threes for those players. They don't create them. They don't. Not enough, I should say. And that's not going to change because you ha- you bring in a 15-minute a guy a-, a game player who can shoot threes. It's not going to change because those other guys are going to be the ones who are on the court. So the structure of the offense has to produce more three-point shots. And I do believe that the players on this team right now who are playing the majority of the minutes can hit those threes at a at a sufficient rate to be competitive night in, night out, if you create them. Not if you don't create them. And the Knicks offense doesn't create them. They don't. And that's that's on the coach. It, re- it just is. Enough is enough. I just can't stand stubborn. I can't do stubbornness. I just can't. And I understand it's subjective. Somebody might say, well, you're stubborn. I think you're stubborn. Shut up. 
when information is sitting right there in front of your face that something you're doing is not working, why don't you change it? And I've defended Tibbs in a lot of ways. And Tibbs will say things like, I'm the one who watches the tape. You guys don't watch tape. You watch the games one time. If that, and you have these grandiose opinions, and you're looking at stats on the paper, I'm watching the tape. I'm seeing context. I'm seeing the variables. I get it. I'm all for that. But just because you see it doesn't mean that you're coming to the proper conclusions and the proof is in the pudding. Because what you're putting out there sometimes clearly isn't working. So maybe everyone else is wrong with what they think you should be doing because they're not paying attention the way you are. But you're wrong sometimes too and you need to check yourself. Like why do you keep attacking Van Fleet the way you're attacking Van Fleet? Why not get the ball out of his hands and let a poor shooting team have to make shots under duress? Instead of, see, for me personally, I think when teams are comfortable in basketball, when you're comfortable, you're more confident. You're going to make more shots. You're going to make more plays. You're going to be in, you're going to basically be in your bag. No one is removing you from your comfort zone and making you have to dig deeper and make different decisions. The Knicks were in a spot for a long time where they were doing that to teams. They were playing physically. They were getting over screens. They were, it was really a lot of fresh legs, to be honest with you. And you're seeing those, I think you're seeing a little bit of fatigue. But more than that, you're seeing teams saying, hey, as long as we get a step in the paint, we're going to get the shots we want. So let's just get a step in the paint. That's it. Because everybody's going to sink in and you have a hole in your defense like RJ. And sometimes Randall, where they get stuck in mud when they start sinking in and, and peeking and, and hedging and not recovering. So how about you do something different? How about you, instead of having teams attack you defensively with double teams, attack them with double teams? One of the things that stood out to me about Jericho Sims was a game last year against the Nets where Sims had to play. And the Knicks were winning going down the stretch of that game. But you knew Durant was about to be a problem. So Durant came out. He started hitting his shots. You know, Knicks have no answers for Durant. So Tibbs, to his credit, says, I'm going to start double-teaming Durant. And he sends Jericho Sims to double-team Durant. If you know Jericho Sims, Jericho Sims has good speed and he has really good feet defensively. He just has bad habits. He just needs to be refined. All right, that's what I like about Sims and his perimeter defense. I think he can guard a number of people. I really do. I just don't think he knows. I don't think he knows when to leave his feet. Okay. But against his double team, he would go, he would double team Durant. And Durant, again, would make the first pass. Hint, hint. And by the time they were ready to make the next pass, he was back to cover the open player. That's how much speed Jericho Sims had on the perimeter. To double-team Durant, put him under duress, and then get back before they can get another shot. Before they can get an open shot. Now you had Sims on the floor. And you have a team that, outside of Gary Trent, they're not great outside shooters. 
Double team Van Fleet. Double team him. Hedge him hard. Make him throw a pass under duress and then recover. When you have Jericho Sims on the floor, there aren't too many people on that floor that he can't guard. Instead, they, they continuously have Van Fleet make, and he makes hard shots. Nine times they're contested, but they're easy for him. And he likes playing against the Knicks. Clearly. He's not even like Trey Young where you have to worry about the roller a ton. You don't even have to worry about the roller. He, he you just have to worry about him hitting shots. And if you see that, put something, do something else. Disrupt their offense the way they're disrupting, disrupting yours. Don't just keep doing the same thing over, oh, we know what the Knicks do. That should never be the case. You saw the you saw the Wizards say that after the, the first Wizards game where the Knicks won in Washington. They talked about it after the game. We know what kind of defense the Knicks play. They're going to give up a lot of outside shots. You just got to make plays, blah, 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 blah. It's not the first time you've heard that. Everybody knows it. So once a team gets comfortable seeing what you're doing, they get comfortable shooting, and you can forget it. It's done. And even when they miss, they crash the boards, knock the ball around, and they get the ball back. And I really put most of that on RJ. I'm sorry, I do. I put most of it on RJ. Because he's 6'6", 6'7". You got to get down there. You cannot be stuck in mud when that shot goes up. And a lot of times he is. He's just watching. You got you to read that ball coming off the rim. You got to see how it's coming off. And you got to get yourself in position to get that rebound. That's what Quickly does. He's 6'3". You don't see RJ hunting down rebounds. The ball finds him. He'll grab it. He's not hunting those rebounds down. He's not. He's definitely not boxing out, but most players don't. And now teams know it. They just they just crash the boards when they miss because they know the Knicks are not going to box them out, and they know they're too small even if they do to get the rebounds. And nobody's calling any over the back fouls. The only players getting called for over the back are Knicks players because the Knicks are trying to use brute strength to get these offensive rebounds. Uh, Sands Mitchell Robinson, instead of just using speed and athleticism and jumping up and knocking the ball around. The Knicks don't do it. Other teams, they do it. They know that you can be had on the offensive rebounds. Let's just put these shots up. If you miss them, crash the boards, we get the ball back. The teams that play the Knicks constantly, they know they can do this. They know it. They know it. Stop. Do something different. Adjust. Roll with the punches. You cannot win consistently just doing what you do every night. It's just going to be, yes, if you have a good enough team, you will have a, you can have a decent regular season. But you're not going to win these games unless you can out-talent the other teams. You're not going to outwork them because you don't have the habits. And you're not going to out-scheme them because you don't, you don't even think that you need to. You don't have the acumen. Apparently. So that talent and that and that athleticism and that is gonna is going to overwhelm you. And that's what's happening. It overwhelms the Knicks. The Knicks are a small team, relatively speaking, they're a small team. That talent and athleticism, it overwhelms them on those offensive boards. It overwhelms them when a game becomes a scrum. You're no longer scheming in a way to take things away from the other team. 
They, they're getting everything that they want. And then they're scheming to take away everything that you want. And you're not adjusting. And because the Knicks do not accentuate the talent that they do have by having a little bit of imagination on offense. It's like once they take it away, it's, it's over. You're done. Now, kudos to the Knicks for getting themselves back in the game last night after going down 17. But they start the fourth quarter, no Randall, no Brunson. It's over. The game is, they, they go on a run and they kill it. They got Van Fleet on the floor. Was Van, was he? I'm not even sure if he was on the floor beginning of the fourth quarter. I had to go back and check. But there's no OG. First of all, there's no OG. There's lame-ass Scotty Barnes out there and Siakam. They're playing Juancho Hernan Gomez. Are we, what are we doing? And you can't find a way to score consistently? You saw Obi Toppin play well in the first half. You didn't see him the whole second half. What are we doing? You need outside shooting. He's shooting the ball well tonight. He's playing well. That's what you need off the bench with no IQ. Quick to go back to Hartenstein. And listen, in fairness to Hartenstein, he's getting a lot of criticism for various reasons, and he deserves a good bit of it. He was he was a positive last night, I think. No, it was a minus three. The only positive was a guy who was getting a lot of criticism last night, and that's Quentin Grimes. He was a plus one. RJ, who had a 30-point game, 10 of 18, 4 of 8 from 3, 6 of 9 from the line, actually had 6 defensive rebounds. I don't care. He needed 12. 5 assists. Minus 12. Minus 12. Because when it came down to it, he wasn't making the plays. Julius is going to get a, uh, who gets a lot of blame. He had 23 and 19, minus 4. Jericho Sims, minus six. Jalen Brunson, who had a good game, minus six. Hartenstein, minus three. Fournier, minus seven. Once again, and we were talking about the three-point shooting, and a lot of people who say things like, well, you got Fournier, you need three-point shooting, put Fournier out there. Fournier's given up more than he's given you. He can't take enough threes to to give the Knicks the three-point shooting they're looking for. He's not going to be able to take enough. He's not going to be on the floor enough. Like I said, it's the rotation players that need to take and make these threes at a higher rate. Now, you change the rotation players via trade, et cetera, sure. But Fournier is not going to play significant minutes for a very good reason. He's sitting here at a minus seven. I ran through the whole team. Nobody was a minus seven but Fournier, and, and RJ was a minus 12. Nobody was more, more of a minus than RJ and Fournier. And of the players in the rotation... Those are the two laziest defenders, and I don't want to call Fournier a lazy defender because he's actually been working hard. He's just not capable. RJ looks like a lazy defender out there. He does. Say what you want to say. I don't care. And I like RJ for other reasons, but he's just he's just looks like he's in a fog out there. Defensively, he doesn't look like he's grinding defensively. He just looks like he's there, and that's it. And it's not enough. He's a minus 12, Fournier's a minus 7. Fournier played 21 minutes. And here you have Obi Toppin with 14 points, 4 or 5 from 3, and he's a minus 5, and he only plays 10 minutes in the game. What are we, what, what's going on? What's going on? 
And people are talking about playing random Obi together. Listen, I understand why you want to do it, but I've also seen the Knicks game run off the court when they did it. So I just don't think Randall's equipped. Frankly, I don't think Randall's equipped to be a rim defender. He will he will let people fly by him. He's not good at being there when people are attacking. He's not good at that. And he's made comments. And it was a comment he made after a game a couple of weeks ago where he made a great defensive play. And he made note of the fact that he was able to engage his man defensively and, and not have to wait for someone to come, essentially. He's just not good at it. He's not good at being a drop defender. He's not good at being a help defender at the rim. He's not good at it. I'm not saying he can't just flip a switch and be good at it, but he's just not. So the Knicks are just a sieve defensively when he's in the game at the at the big man position. And offensively, their offense does not produce enough outside looks via penetration to take advantage of being spread out. You have to collapse defenses to, to have the advantage of a spread offense. For example, the Knicks can have this five-man team on the floor, but then Julius Randle will take a three contested. No, Julius. Take it to the rim. Make the defense collapse and kick it out. That's the purpose of having a spread floor like that. So listen, I, I appreciate the culture that Thibodeau brought the Knicks. The Knicks have been bad for a long time. The Knicks are a much better situation than people like to speak about in terms of talent, talent and assets. But Time is running out on Tibbs' ability to show that he's he's the answer long-term here. And you've heard me talk about this all year. It's 500 teams, 500 teams. But this team is losing games at this point that they, they could win if it wasn't for Thibodeau or Thibodeau. So, listen, earlier in the year, you can make the argument that they just weren't good enough. Now you can't make that argument. They're good enough to win these games, and they're not because they're getting beat schematically more than anything else. And sure, could they use some help here and there, you know, a little bit more size at the wing position to come off the bench? Sure, absolutely. Could they use? Can they use a shooter? Yes, it's not going to change their fortunes completely, especially if you can't play defense. But yeah, absolutely. But what they need more than anything, to be 100% honest with you, is they need a better offensive focus. Because down the stretch, whatever they're doing to get that lead, it's just not going to work in the fourth quarter. It's just not. It hasn't. It's not working against teams that know what you're doing at this point. Put it that way. Teams like the Hawks and Toronto and the Wizards who saw you twice in a week they know what you're doing. It's not gonna work anymore. We're not gonna do this one on one with Jalen Brunson, and and we don't know how to we don't know how to double team him and get the ball out of his hands. We don't know how to put size on him, so he's not quite as effective. We don't know how to put four people in the paint, and 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 because you're incapable of either making the pass to the weak side, or your your players are incapable of reading the defense and presenting themselves, the Knicks get bad shots, or no shot at all especially down a stretch. They're not going to survive playing that way. 
They need better offensive focus. They need a more read and react offense. They need to run screens from more than just Brunson and quickly. They need Randall to attack the rim more. They need RJ to be more attentive and physical defensively to be a better presence. These are very simple changes that would win half of the games they lost this week. But they're playing good teams coming up, and they just don't have the process to beat these teams, period. And after losing to Toronto just last week, losing the way they did to the Hawks, you would think that the Knicks would have come out in this game and had a process that was superior to what they went into the previous game with, and they didn't. They didn't. Because Toronto, who has a very innovative coach when it comes to making adjustments, came out and threw wrinkles at you. And because your players don't have the process and and the ability to make these adjustments on the fly, you don't either. You lose these games. And yes, the Knicks came back. They made some plays. They got back into it. But what happens? You start the fourth quarter with a terrible lineup and you get your doors blown off. What were you even thinking? What were you thinking? One or two possessions in, you should have known this lineup's not going to work. I got to put somebody else in here. So, trade season is upon us. Rui to the Lakers for three seconds. And Kendrick Nunn. This was a move where Rui, being a free agent at the end of the season, Washington wasn't going to resign him. The Lakers want to roll the dice on him. Through some seconds, there was some traded player exceptions probably involved here where Washington was going to lose one of their exceptions in a couple of weeks by making this trade. They get to get another exception and they have another year to use. I think they have one more, so there might be a trade, another trade coming for them. So trade season has started, but it seems like no one really wants to make a trade until the end of the deadline. So right at the deadline. It seems like the thought process is that's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck is at the end of the at the end of the trade season, at the very end, when people know this is it. You're going to get what you're going to get right now. So don't expect too many moves, I'm guessing, until another couple of weeks. So that means the Knicks, there's no help coming to the Knicks for the next couple of weeks, and it's, a, it's going to be a grind. And I do think the Knicks are help away, depending on what that help is, from winning a couple more of these games. Because they're good enough to stay in them. But then Tibbs let them down, lets them down, but so does their size and so does their ability to create shots at certain positions, especially, especially in that second unit. I do think a right trade could actually help them down a stretch of these games, even if Tibbs doesn't make another adjustment. However, that's not a long-term solution. Not a long-term solution. I've, I'm seeing Grayson Allen... Once again, I think Grayson Allen, Allen is an upgrade over Evan Fournier, but he has a size issue as well. He's not a great defensive player, and there's a reason why the Bucks are trying to move him. You would think the Bucks would want to use somebody like Grayson Allen, who's kind of played reasonably well for them. But they're looking to move him, and I don't know if the Knicks are necessarily in a position where Grayson Allen is the answer for them, unless you're just going to sit him on the bench. I don't necessarily like that move. I think Cam Reddish is in those negotiations. Anything you can get for Cam is probably an upgrade. I get it. But I don't think bringing in a guy who doesn't have great size. You need a guy who has size. 
need a, a guy who can defend, who has size, and who hit, hit open three. That's what the Knicks need. That's a guy who who gets inserted right into the rotation. Right into the rotation. But I'm going to stick to it. I'm saying if you can find, if you can craft a deal that brings in a guy like Covington, a guy who can play power forward, defend multiple positions on a wing, be a small power forward, or a decent power forward, really, decent power forward size, and be a small ball center. Covington is not getting a ton of minutes out there. I'm sure they want to stash him away for the playoffs, but he's not getting a ton of minutes. They're looking for a backup center out there. I'm going to stick to it. Maybe you can't get Covington with the package the Knicks, Knicks would send. I'm going to stick to it. I think Covington, first of all, would make the Knicks a smaller team, a weaker team up front because he's a small ball five. But look at the way these teams are playing us. Look at the team that the Knicks are losing to right now. Siakam and Scotty Barnes and Prince Achua. There are more nights than not that Covington can help you if you had to play small ball five because Randall is not. And I get it. That would just mean less minutes for Obi Toppin. I get it. I get it. But you know what? Obi Toppin got to be more consistent with what he's doing. And I would I would argue that Obi Toppin can be, can be moved to the small forward position more so than keeping him at power forward and putting Randall at five. I think there are more small forwards that Obi Toppin can at least stand in front of than power forwards and centers that he's going to have to deal with because the way the defense rotates, Obi gets matched up with centers under the rim when the shot goes up sometimes, and he's just not that guy. He's a perimeter guy. He's not a front court guy. He's just not. Now, he's not built to guard most small forwards, but he can. some of these small forwards aren't doing nothing but shooting threes outside and attacking closeouts. If he can't do that, then he's not an NBA player. Period. And if there's a matchup where he's just not good in that matchup, then just don't play him. You're only playing him 10 minutes a game right now. You play Obi Toppin at small forward, I think it makes you better at some of the things that you're not good at because you're playing small at the small forward beyond RJ. You're playing small. And your defensive lineup is just not as effective as it was. And I think fatigue is a factor. Those guys were grinding pretty hard for a few weeks defensively, and now it's starting to catch up to them. So I, I do think even if Tibbs is here and Tibbs doesn't do a single thing differently, if they brought in a player like Covington and he brought in another, well, you know, Covington can actually satisfy both of those needs, honestly. Because he can play defensively, he can play wings as well. But I think the Knicks should really start thinking about uh, OB at small forward instead of OB at center, to be honest. And I understand there are defensive liabilities there without any question or doubt, but I think those are the same defensive liabilities you have when he plays power forward and Randall's at center especially. But even when he plays power forward, you have defensive, defensive liabilities there too. And with all of the different rotations and switches, you can't hide Obi from being on small forward sometimes. If you want to find more minutes for him, find him, find it for him there because the Knicks are, are, are a small team in that second unit with McBride and Quickly and Quentin Grimes primarily being on the floor at the same time in that second unit or Brunson being one of the guys that's on the floor with them when RJ's not there. They're a small team. 
Obi makes you a bigger team at small forward. And you can maybe get some more minutes out of him, especially if you give him McBride's minutes, who, to be honest with you, has not been a plus player in the last handful of games. I think McBride's gotten worn down. His defense hasn't been the same. I think his confidence is taking a hit. You had McBride playing off the ball offensively when he's more of an on-the-ball player. Uh, you want him to be more aggressive offensively, but he's not getting enough looks and attention to really to really take advantage of that and be efficient. And he hasn't looked good. I don't think that's the end-all, be-all when it comes to McBride. You can't play guys 10, 15 minutes and then say they're no good because they're not hitting their open shots. Okay, I just don't think that's fair. It's not fair to Obi either. <laughs> but Obi, there are other things Obi's not doing and he needs to do better. But it is frustrating to know because I think this is an, an objective fact. The Knicks would be better if they changed schematically. Just a simple few simple things. And that's frustrating. And these are I see it frustrating and Nick fans all across Twitter. Some of these guys are bonkers. But there's some there's some truth to it. It's one thing to just know you got beat. It's another thing to know that you, you lost this game because your coach let you down. Because your coach didn't put your players in the right position. And there's a lot of that going around. Listen. We'll be back at it. These are the dark days. I don't see this turning around because I don't think this is an effort thing. Not like the last couple losing streaks. It seemed like it was more of an effort thing uh, for the Knicks or the Knicks were playing some good teams and got caught in some good spots. It's one or the other. This is just now they're just getting beat for their frailties, for their failings. Coaching, coaching on down. So I don't like it. We'll see how. Quickly got a little banged up, too. The Knicks can't do anything without Emmanuel Quickly. They really can't. The way he's turned it on the last few weeks, earlier in the season, we talked about his floor game, but his offense was lacking. Now it's not. And he's giving you some much-needed points, and he's giving you a much-needed burst with that second unit because the second unit's not doing anything, and now he's hurt. And with Mitchell's injury, the Knicks are just a sieve defensively. It's a bad business come about now, man. Bad business. Bad, bad business, but don't let that stop you from making some money. Take advantage of some of these injuries. Check out sportsethos.com. Check out all their daily fantasy news. Make a couple bucks wagering news at Sports Ethos. Become a part of the conversation at Ethos Knicks on Twitter. I'm going to be here when or lose. My attitude's about to change real negative, though, if Tibbs don't get his act together. I'm going to tell you that right now. Until next time.